Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I am your host, Stacey Francis, and we're going to be speaking with Evan Shine today. Evan is based here in New York City, just like us, and he is a matrimonial attorney and the head of the litigation department at the firm Berkman, Bakker, Newman & Shine. During his career, he's worked on hundreds of different matrimonial cases, but what makes Evan unique is his focus on financially complex divorce litigation. Those are four pretty wordy words, and I will tell you can be a little overwhelming too. But Evan really helps us dissect the fact that there's nothing to be intimidated about. We're going to talk about how you can identify whether or not your situation is really complex. Figuring out if litigation is the right process for you and how you can use that process to make sure that you are as fully informed as possible. And make sure that you stay to the end because Evan talks a little bit more about how you can use the litigation process and particularly the discovery process to come to the settlement table sooner than you ever thought possible, saving you time, saving you grief, and of course, well, saving you a lot of money. Evan is also a well-renowned celebrity podcaster, and you can listen to his podcast on Shine. He shares more about that and other great resources to help you create a team, what he calls a circle of trust, to make sure that you get through the divorce process as quickly, as smoothly, and as healthy as possible, to be able to start your life, the life you deserve. And from our perspective, most importantly, to be not only happy, but financially secure. So without further ado, please help me welcome our guest today, Evan Shine. Evan, we are super excited to have you here. And we're going to be talking all about complex financial divorce litigation, which I just said four words that probably scared the bejeebers off of most people, complex financial divorce litigation. We, we're putting actually all four of those together. And I wanted you to be here to talk about this because you're the least intimidating person I know out there to your clients. Now, to their opposing counsel, not necessarily the case. But before we jump into this, how did you get into this field? I mean, no little girl or little boy typically dreams about becoming a matrimonial attorney. And, and I didn't necessarily dream about becoming a, a divorce financial analyst, but here we are. So what brought you to the work that you're doing today here? Stacey, first, thank you for having me on. It's great to be with you and all your listeners. It's a great question. And in terms of my background and how I got to where I am in, in the practice of family law, I want to say that I love what I do. I would not practice any other area other than family law. I love working with people. I love helping people. I love being part of people's lives and that transformation. You know, divorce, it's a process. It's not a quick one. It's not an easy one. And when I can help people get to the other side, 
get to a place where they're in a different place and, and a better place for me, it's incredibly rewarding. But look, I, you know, it was it my dream to be a family law attorney? I always wanted to go to law school. I always wanted to practice law. My background was I was actually a sports agent during law school and right after law school. I had a passion for sports. I grew up in a family. My brother's a sports broadcaster. And in many ways, that was in my blood. And I loved being able to combine my passion for sports and entertainment with a degree in communications and then law school. And after being a sports agent, I sort of fell into family law. And I have to tell you, I'm happy I did because I wouldn't do anything else. That may explains a lot because all of you listening today, Evan has his own podcast. It's called On Shine, O-N-S-C-H-E-I-N. And we'll put all the information to this in the, in the podcast notes. But it was really interesting because you, one of your podcasts is about sports mentality and divorce, which I thought was really, really interesting. And so that completely explains why you brought that on as one of your issues. So definitely everybody should be checking out your podcast again, everybody. It's called On Shine. And Evan, I would like to just talk about complex financial divorce. How do you know, so the listeners out there, how would they know, okay, my case is considered a complex financial case? Like what are some of those pieces that when you're talking to a, a client, kind of go ding, 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 this is not going to be straightforward. Sissy, I love the words that you use, complex financial litigation. And the reason I love those words, it's because a lot of cases are complex financial litigations because they really are complex financial litigations. And then there's those cases that become complex litigations, but they really shouldn't be and they don't have mm. to be. And you know, when someone comes into my office, I always try to figure out What's the direction? What's the path for this case going forward? What do I, as, as the divorce attorney, needs to do, right? What do I need to do in terms of helping my client and advising my client in terms of the documents, in terms of the information, the bank statements, the documents to put together to help me get a sense of the overall case? And what I find is a lot of times cases become complex because preparation and research is not done in the early stages of a case. And it's something I think is incredibly important because if the work is put in in the beginning of a case or even before a case begins and a client's prepared and a client's organized and a client works with a team of professionals, a divorce attorney, someone like yourself and your incredible team, a divorce coach, a therapist, someone's in a much better position to navigate a complex divorce and really go through the divorce process. But the things that I look for initially, is there a business involved? You know, how does someone get paid? What's the compensation structure? Are there stock options? What is the overall financial picture? What is the real estate? What are the liquid and illiquid assets? And once I identify what exists and what's in the pot, premarital and marital, then I'm in a position to figure out next steps for my clients. Can that also be what type of assets they have? Are they easy to value? You know, hedge funds, private equity, things like that. You know, when anyone is coming to us and they start talking about private equity, lots of real estate, equity executive compensation, such as restricted stock units or stock options, it's kind of like ding, ding, ding. Oh boy, this isn't going to be so easy. And we're going to need to do our due diligence. 
Oh, absolutely. And Stacey, right. those are the buzzwords, right? Restrict stocks, hedge funds. You know, you know, when you have a lot of real estate and different companies and structures, yeah. there's nothing simple or straightforward about that. And yeah. even the documents don't tell the story. Very often, I have to bring in outside professionals, forensic accountants, appraisals, different people to really help me and help my clients understand exactly what the overall financial picture looks like. Yep. Now, what if someone has a prenup or a postnup? Is that straightforward? Or can you also find that you have an unbelievably complex case, even with those documents in place? A prenuptial agreement can help because what a prenuptial agreement does before people get married, a prenuptial agreement is a vehicle that protects certain assets. It protects income and it can protect things that really matter most to people before they enter into a relationship and before they get married. With that said, there's a lot of things a prenuptial agreement may not protect. And it really depends on the structure of the prenup, what's included, what the intent was at the time someone signed it. But for many people, people may enter a prenuptial agreement, which is something I highly recommend if there's a business or if there's an asset that someone's looking to protect. But then Mm -hmm. let's fast forward 15 years. Someone will call me and say, Evan, my husband, my wife just filed for divorce. And then you're looking at the prenup, which is one of the first questions I ask. Do you have a prenuptial agreement? And a lot of times it's very difficult for someone to anticipate and to put in a prenuptial agreement that he or she signed 15 years ago yeah. for a business that someone may start in the future for to protect income or protect future assets or a second home or a vacation home. It's very difficult for people to anticipate that. And because it's hard at the time someone gets married to know all the assets that may exist, having a prenup definitely helps. But is it bulletproof in terms of protecting all the assets? It's not. Yeah. It sounds like if you think that you have an easy path, glide path forward, just because you have a, a prenup in place, you may not. And you really want to make sure that you have the right counsel to make sure that it can stand up in court, that it's not going to be put aside or challenged in any way. Or maybe you want it to be challenged. And, sure. you know, again, you want to be on the other side with the counsel that will be able to make that case. And I think what's really interesting and estate planning attorneys say this all the time, where a couple will come in, someone will come in and they'll be talking about the different types of packages they have for their estate planning and what the cost is. And, you know, the first words out of their mouth, including mine is, you know, we're pretty simple, we're pretty simple. <laughs> There's really not that much going on. And then when you get into it, you're like, oh yeah, we have a, you know, out of state property. Oh yeah. We, you know, we have premarital assets. Oh yeah. We have, you know, hedge funds and private equity and executive comp. And I think what's interesting is that often we feel so simple, like our people, like just like I'm a pretty straightforward kind of person. And we don't realize that, well, our financial life can be pretty darn complex. The next thing I want to talk about is the other word that we talked about that was a little scary. So we just talked about complex financial divorce, but I want to talk about litigation. So What does the litigation process look like? And can you talk about the myth that a lot of people believe that if you hire an attorney who considers themselves a litigator like you, that your first step is the courthouse steps? So talk a little bit about what is litigation really? What is it not? And where the court plays in that process that it doesn't have to be a running dash directly to court? 
that it can be used as a tool? And how do you use that tool best in litigation? There's so much unknown for a lot of people about the litigation process. And anytime I consult with someone, we talk about options, whether it's negotiations, mediation, collaborative law, litigation. It's incredibly important that as an attorney, I explain to my client the different process choices and what each process looks like. And because there's so much unknown and fears associated with the litigation process, it's often misunderstood. And so for many people, look, even if the divorce is not going to be resolved through mediation or collaborative, and those process choices are not right for someone, it doesn't mean that you're going to go to court tomorrow. In the majority of my cases, and I'm the head of litigation for my firm, so I, before COVID, I live in a courtroom. I often joke that I spend more time in a courtroom than my own living room, but you don't rush to the courthouse. I mean, your number one goal as an attorney is to settle the case. And a lot of times that is negotiations and having settlement conferences and working with your client and your client's spouse, your client's partner, and the other side to figure out an amicable resolution. Litigation is often necessary when there is no alternative. And of course, there's times where there's a reason you need to go to court tomorrow. If someone's transferring assets, if someone's liquidating substantial sums of money, or in complex child custody cases, if there's a real danger or need to go to court and get a court's involvement right away. But I always tell people, because I get asked two questions all the time, how long is my divorce going to take and how much is, is it going to cost? And I always say there's four people involved. It's two clients and two attorneys. And some attorneys and some clients, they want to litigate and they want to litigate right away. For many people, there's not a need to go to court immediately, except for the reasons that I mentioned. But in terms of the process, there's nothing quick about the court process. What the court process does, it gives structure. It gives oversight. It gives the judge's involvement. You have the benefit of the judge's court staff and the court attorneys, and it brings structure to a process where there might not be any structure. So a lot of times, for example, if I have a case and I'm represent you know, a client and there's businesses involved and it's a very complex financial litigation, if I'm not getting the documents or the financial information that I need as an attorney to be in a position to understand the full financial picture and there's no compliance with the other side, that's a reason I'm going to want to go to court because it's not then up to the other side as to if and when documents are produced. At the first court appearance, the judge will set dates, deadlines. It's called a yeah. preliminary conference order. And in that preliminary conference order, there's dates by which both sides have to comply with financial disclosure. There's dates yeah. when I can ask someone in my conference room questions under oath. So the divorce litigation process, it gives structure. A lot of times it gives clarity and it helps move cases forward. Now that doesn't mean the case is going to be resolved quickly, but it brings structure to a process where there might not be any structure or compliance. Well, you're speaking my language. I'm like the most structured person there is. You walk <laughs> into my closet and everything is color coordinated. And when I eat my food, I eat my my vegetables first and then I eat my meat. FY, you can imagine, <laughs> you can only imagine, Evan, what it's like being married to me. My poor husband, he had no idea what he was getting into 22 years ago. But I Stacey, have to tell you, your closet's like a dream closet. I wish okay. I had that level of organization. <laughs> He's so funny. He was helping me. We were putting clothes away. He's like, I put them in the closet, but I didn't put them away 
because your color coding really scares me. <laughs> it's like, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. But you bring up such a good point where a divorce can feel like it's this nebulous journey and, you know, taking, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And really, I mean, what you're saying is that court is, it's just another tool on your tool belt. It's a tool that needs to be used at certain times to keep you on track, to keep you safe, and to make sure that everyone is playing ball and playing a fair game. And you talk a little bit that I've heard you talk about is a discovery process. And talk a little bit more about what is the discovery process, why it's so important to exchange information. And my biggest question, which I've never heard before, is how you in the past have used the discovery process to actually help settle a case, which I think is fascinating. Discovery process, from my perspective as a divorce litigator, is one of the most important periods in a divorce case. What the discovery process is, essentially, it is the exchange of financial documents, the exchange of financial information. You serve discovery demands, you request as an attorney that you're seeking the production of documents and information that is going to be necessary to help understand the full financial picture. And at the preliminary conference, the first court appearance in any case, the court will set dates and deadlines for that disclosure and for that productions to take place. Also within the discovery process, there's something called depositions. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, I love depositions. And one of the reasons I love depositions is because depositions are an opportunity when I can depose someone and ask a client of mine's spouse or partner in my conference room under oath questions, get information, get answers to things that perhaps my client does not know or does not understand And by asking someone questions, I'm getting the information firsthand. And if I'm not getting the information, then I know what's next. And there's times when people will not answer my questions very candidly or not answer the questions at all. And then we move on to other ways to get the information, whether it's through serving subpoenas or requesting additional documentation. But often what happens, to go to your question, in terms of how can discovery help settle cases I'm a believer that discovery is the greatest mechanism in a litigation to help settle cases. I've had cases settle in the middle of depositions. I've had clients on the other side who have not been forthcoming and have not been transparent with producing financial information. And then you get them in a conference room, you're asking them questions about their business, about their compensation, about certain things that have happened in the past. And almost in a miraculous way, they now want to settle. And so a lot of times that's why the court process and the structure and discovery and depositions help settle cases because it's also giving the other side a preview as to uh-huh. what things will look like if yeah. the case doesn't settle. If this case goes to a trial, if you're in front of a judge, if you take the witness stand, this is just the beginning in many ways. And so for a lot of people, discovery and depositions, and it's a lot of work and a lot of time it helps settle a case because people realize, you know what, it's better to settle than it is to resist producing documents and to keep fighting given the time and cost involved. Yeah. And the stakes, I imagine if if someone is not being forthcoming about their real income or forthcoming about the financials of the business or what that really looks like, you're opening a big can of worms. And, you know, I don't want to around the word 
criminal activity, but you know, there are, are people out there, hopefully I don't know too many of them, but I'm, I'm sure I do, not realizing it, that are not filing their taxes in the appropriate way. They're not reporting all the income they really receive and they're receiving it via via cash. The financials of the business are not pristine and significant personal expenses are being run through that are egregious. I mean, it happens and no one wants to open that can of worms. And the fact that in discovery, you're hitting that head on to say that you may want to talk, may not want to talk about this, but we do. And under oath, we're going to ask you about it is a really powerful tool. Nobody likes to have their business or their personal life or their professional life poked and, and, and prodded. Yeah. No, nobody likes it. And that's what depositions are. You're poking and you're prodding and you're asking uncomfortable questions. You're requesting documentation. And look, if you own a business or you run a cash business and you pay for personal expenses through your business, those are questions, as, as you said, most people are not going to want to answer. And you watch yeah. how quickly cases settle yeah. because of those uncomfortable questions as an attorney that you ask. So tell me a little bit about this. I mean, we know that this is a tool, obviously, of the litigation process. If someone is listening right now and they're going through, let's say, the mediation process and they're having challenges getting full compliance from their spouse of giving accurate financial information and full financial information, can you use the deposition process in mediation? Generally, the deposition process, it wouldn't be used in the context of a mediation. And I always recommend it to my clients who are going through the mediation process. There's always a benefit. And I always encourage people when you're in mediation and you're working with one mediator, both sides should have the benefit of working with independent consulting counsel. Because if I'm working with a client in the background, I can say to my client, these are the documents that you should ask for in mediation. These are the questions that you should ask for. And I have the benefit from my client knowing the type of business, the, the, you know, the financial picture as he or she will tell me. So I can guide someone in the background in terms of the things to look for, the documents to request, but all of that's part of the mediation process. Mediation is an absolutely wonderful tool. It often works for people. I encourage clients to figure out the right process choice for him or her. But a lot of times when mediations don't work, as I hear from my clients, and you know, it's because someone was not producing documents or somebody wasn't candid about the financial disclosure. And the other benefit of mediation a lot of times is when someone feels that way, someone may request that the attorneys participate in the actual sessions. So yeah. they're there with the clients as opposed to just consulting in the background. And I think that's really important. I mean, I, a good number of people are in mediation and their mediator may not have shared the option of having an outside consulting attorney and that that person can guide them from the background and help them and advocate and support them. Because again, that mediator can't advocate for you. That has to be that separate person, that separate consulting attorney. But that person can even sit in in a session. And there are just so many different options of using those individuals. And I think about it as there's a tool for everything, right? But you want to make sure that you're using a process that protects you because you're making decisions about your children, about you, about your financial picture, 
that is going to impact you for the rest of your life. And how do you make a decision when you don't have all the information, right? It's like driving up to Vermont and you're only getting half of the directions. Like you're hoping you're going to get to Vermont, but you're not so sure because you don't have your GPS there and it's only showing you one out of every two turns. That's pretty scary. And that's just driving, let alone bless the, <laughs> the rest of your financial life. <laughs> Stacey, you when, know? I love your analogy, the drive up to Vermont. And what you just said is so incredibly powerful and it's true. You know, going through the process and the divorce, it's not easy. And you use the word support. People going through the divorce process, they need support. They need support of not only an attorney, but a team of professionals and really the right team of professionals, whether it's a financial advisor, a coach, a therapist, nobody should go through this process alone. It's can be overwhelming. It can be scary. There, there's yeah. a lot of concerns. It's emotional. And the importance of having the right team of people around someone, I can't stress enough how important it is because it helps someone get to where they want to be so yeah. much quicker, so much faster, and in a way that is best for each person. And it's so incredibly important. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And I mean, this is totally completely off topic, but just talking about support, we, for the first time, have our nanny slash housekeeper. And this is day two. And she has been such a gift. We've missed her now for 13 months for COVID. And Dia is back. And can I tell you, Evan, I got to sleep an extra 45 minutes today. And so instead of 4.45 waking up, it was 5.30. And like, what a blessing. Okay, how small that is, right? How yeah. small that is. And I'm just going through everyday normal life and trying to keep all the balls in the air. And then you throw on top of that a divorce where you're trying to manage the divorce process, which takes a lot of time. You're trying to help your kids. You're trying to support family members that maybe are not dealing with your divorce in the way that you would like them to deal. And, and friends who are grappling with that too. And you, you, you put all of that on top of it, plus, of course, everyday natural life. And it's really, really difficult. So anywhere you can get support, whether that's, as you mentioned, of course, the right attorney, the right mental health therapist, the right financial, if that's right for you. But then also where else in your life, you know, where else maybe have someone come to your house and have dinner for you and do some laundry or whatever it is that you need this isn't going to be a forever time in your life, thank goodness, but it's going to feel like it. And it's going to feel longer and more difficult and more painful the fewer people you have on your team, the fewer people you have. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I have to go back to the fact that you get up at 445 in the morning, which is, you know, absolutely incredible. <laughs> well, I'm not dancing on tables at night, Evan. Literally, <laughs> I say goodnight to my kids and I say it's bedtime and they know it's actually my bedtime because they go to bed after me. And so like at 845, I make my little rounds and I'm like, you guys, you have to go to bed by 915, 930. Mama's going to bed at 8, 845. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm not exactly dancing on tables. But the good news is that I am finding that I can sleep in and Again, having that support around me, you know, unbelievable support. It's incredible. And hearing the support that you talk about in, in your own personal life and, and something I lived through with so many of my clients is really that support network. And, you know, yeah. and it's so hard yeah. for people to really tune out, though, all the extra noise. You know, divorce is one of those things that everyone has an opinion on. 
your friends, your family, everybody thinks it should be over faster, or you should give it to this, or you should ask for this. And it can be overwhelming. And these are some, you know, friends, close family. And I think that the circle of trust that someone should have when they're going through it, it should be that really a team of trusted people, trusted professionals. And I encourage my clients to take time for yourself. You know, the divorce process, as, as you mentioned, and we talk about is extremely overwhelming, but it's important not to lose sight of what you love doing. You know, I have a client who is an avid swimmer and I always say to her, find time. Don't, you know, lose sight yeah. of what you love and what you enjoy doing. I had another client who was, you know, in a band and, you know, I said to him, I said, you know, and again, it was a recreational band, but, but it brought him enjoyment. It was himself and four other people do it, find time yeah. to do the things that bring you happiness and bring you enjoyment because it will make the divorce process just that much easier. Not only yeah. as you go through it, but as you get on the other side of it. I know we're coming up to time. I would love to have you just talk a little bit about your practice. And I, and I think what's really unique about your firm is that you're one of the only that offers all of the different methods of divorce, both litigation, mediation, and collaborative. And so can you talk a little bit about your practice and who you work with and how our listeners can reach out? Sure, Stacey. So I'm the head of litigation for my practice and, and our firm. The firm is Berkman, Bodker, Newman, and Shine. We offer clients three ways to separate and get divorced. And we really try to find the right process for our clients, whether it's mediation, collaborative law, litigation. We have three offices, New York City, Manhattan, Westchester, and in New Jersey. I specialize in litigation. I specialize in working with high net worth individuals on prenuptial agreements and going through the divorce process. Well, wonderful. And everyone, we will be sure to include in our show notes, Evan's email, his phone number so that you can reach out as well. Also a link to the website and their website has some great information about the divorce process, about helping you navigate what process is right for you. But again, I think what's really unique about your firm is that someone can go to your firm completely open and say, okay, this is the situation. This is the facts of my case, the personality of my spouse. What do you think is going to be the best situation for me, the best process and have all of those options, which I think is great. Bevan, before we go, can you talk a little bit about your podcast on Shine? Sure. And Stacey, I I really appreciate it. And I launched the podcast in November of 2020. And really what I wanted to do is to give listeners, give the audience an inside look into the divorce process from a different perspective, have on incredible guests, you know, give my perspective, give my take as someone who litigates, spends time in a courtroom. And as we talked about, there's so many myths associated with the litigation process in particular. And I really wanted to pull back the curtain, give listeners, give the audience an inside look so that people could appreciate and truly understand what happens in a courtroom, what happens in the judge's chambers, what goes on behind the scenes. Because to me, so much of what I do is education, educating clients from the moment someone comes into my office. And I thought about a resource that could be out there for people to help explain it and to help educate somebody. So that's what we try to do on the Shine Up podcast. Love it. Well, thank you for joining us. And Thank you to everybody for tuning in to Financially Ever After. Stacey, thank you for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Thank you again for joining us. I really enjoyed speaking to Evan. And all I can say is 
I want a circle of trust. I want a team. We all deserve a team, especially when you're going through such a difficult time of a separation or a divorce. In a few minutes, I'm going to go over some of these main takeaways from our podcast today. But before that, I want to tell you about a way that we can help you. We have a second opinion service and it helps you get a better understanding of where you are financially today, what your life might look like in the future post-divorce, and most importantly, what decisions do you need to make to make sure that going forward you are financially secure? Of course, lots of conversations about what assets to take, what assets not to take, what income and what your expenses should look like, but also your investments. And, you know, really your investments are the engine of your financial security. They are the ones that are working day in and day out, moving you forward, making sure that your money is working hard in the right way with you without having so much risk that you potentially could run the possibility to run the risk of losing that nest egg, which is more important to you now than than ever before. So please do reach out for that second opinion service and something we offer without charge because we believe in knowledge and education and how that important is for you. And this is whether or regard not you become a client. So you can reach out to Stacy S-T-A-C-Y at francisfinancial.com or you can reach out via our website. And that's www.francisfinancial.com. And today we went through a lot, not only understanding and debunking some of those myths that I think that many people have about litigation, but how to think of litigation and use it as a tool to make sure that you are fully informed with regards to all the finances of your family. And also as a tool to bring structure and to bring essentially a process to move your divorce forward. Because we all know that ultimately we want our divorce to end and we want it to end in a way that is hopefully as amicable as possible, but most importantly, puts you and sets you up for financial security, not only now, but for the rest of your life. And again, thank you for tuning in. Do a favor for one of your friends, share our podcast. We want to reach more women. We want to be a resource for more women. That is why I love, love, love this work. I'm sending a big hug across the airways and wishing you a wonderful week. And we'll be seeing you in two weeks.